Get your Bibles out and go to Isaiah 43:18, and I have a scripture I want to read, very, very specific for today. This, this sermon won't really work any other time. I guess it would. But when I began to pray about, the, Lisa brought up the idea of having a 30th celebration, immediately I began thinking about the past, the past 30 years. And I was in the room praying and studying, and I said, Father, I don't, have, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say. And very clearly he said, forget it. Don't talk about yesterday. Talk about where you're going. Amen. And I thought, yeah, that's positive. So in, in the book, in um, Isaiah 43, 18, let's read it off the screen. And this is going to be a word for you and us as a church. Yes. I want you to grab this word. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. Um, and I stole this out of Mark Hankins' book. This is the message. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the bad lands. So he says that he's about to do something brand new. And that's not just us as a church. It's you individually. Now, let me, let me talk to you about time as we know it. You know, in the last 30 years, the biggest, I think one of the biggest hindrances that Satan's ever used against me is my mistakes. Now, I, I know them better than you do, and I probably beat on myself more than you beat on me. Because I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to say it wrong. I don't want to, you know, we work hard on, a, on, a, on the bad services, much less the good ones. And so when you go home and, you've, and, you, and that was terrible, you know, you, you tend to look back and go, oh, my God. So you tend to look back on your life and wish you could do some things over. Right? All of us do this. And, and I think that's a danger to us. And having said that, I have found out in my own soul, my own self, that any time I'm about to do something, it seems like the devil is there to remind you of your screw-ups. Am I the only one in here that ever battles with stupids? And I believe that all of us in this room have a heart's desire to do right, and we just don't. I was reading a book by John Maxwell called Failing Forward. And I read in that book that when a baseball player gets up, he strikes out more than 50% of the time. That's a lot of failure for the men who are the best. Isn't that amazing? In other words, you can't handle the future if you've never learned how to handle your mess-ups. Because you got to learn to handle them in order to go forward. And the devil's always bringing up stuff. 
And that's why I believe the Lord said to me, don't stand up and talk about the past. Talk about where you're going. So let's read this again. Do forget about what has happened. In America today, when you're watching television, how many times do you hear someone bringing up the 60s? I don't know about you, but I can't do a thing about it. I'm not happy with the way America was in the hippie days and, 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 and all of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. But, you know, quite frankly, you can't unscramble that egg. You just, at some point, you've got to stop and forget it and go forward. But then people talk about the 80s and they talk about World War II and one and the Vietnam War and how we screwed it up. And I, and I got a pet peeve about the Weather Channel. And I'm just going to tell it to you. <laughs> Who gives a rip about the tornadoes and the hurricanes that came last year? It was enough to be here without watching it on television again. Andrew and all the other names. And I'm thinking, I just want to know what the weather's going to be like next week, not last year. And, and it seems like people build their lives around what happened. And the Bible says, forget about what happened. Everybody in this room has had bad stuff that other people did to them. Jesus did. And he's perfect, right? I mean, you can't read your Bible without realizing that every good man that's ever lived, every good woman that's ever lived, forget the bad ones, have had bad people do bad things to them. I was watching a, a documentary the other day on the, called The Band of Brothers and looking at the Holocaust, and I'm thinking, how do you get a man so wicked and evil that you would kill six million Jewish people. How do, you, how do you justify that much wickedness in the earth? And yet, that happened, and there's nothing we can do about it. So let me give you a suggestion. Forget about what's happened. There was a movie, a, a, a cartoon called Cars, Many of you, if, you're, if you didn't know what I just said, you're, you're old. <laughs> and and in, the, in the little cartoon movie was a truck called Mater. And Mater always liked to drive backwards. And, and somebody asked Mater, how do you do that? He said, with rear view mirrors. <laughs> I, I'm not, Kenny told me this this morning. He said the key to Italian racing is to get rid of the mirrors because what's behind you don't matter. When you're in a race, the people behind you, they don't matter. So what's behind you right now does not matter. It has nothing to do with your future. You and I have got, if we're going on, we've got to learn how to take what we did, good, the bad, and the ugly, put it behind us, and decide that we're going to, starting today, move forward. We still got a lot of life left in us. 
Our best days are ahead of us, are the best days of our life. I just now figured out how to do this job. (laughs) When you go to a doctor, I was talking to a doctor the other day, and I said, I appreciate your honesty. On your sign, it tells everybody you're still practicing. I said, I understand, I am too. I'm still practicing on people and hadn't done it, haven't done it all yet. Um, is it possible for God to make everything new? When I got saved, 2 Corinthians 5.17 became my favorite Bible verse in the Bible. If any man is in Christ... He's a brand new creation, a brand new species that never existed. But, you know, for years I kept thinking that's all God ever does is just make you new once. Then after that you get your mind renewed and you grow in God. And I kind of had that mindset. And it never dawned on me that that's not the only new thing God can do. Now let's think for a minute and, and go back in history, when Moses came out of Egypt, God did something brand new for those people that were in slavery. And he took them out of Egypt, and he got them out in the desert, and he got them out of, out of the bondage they were in. And then when Joshua came along, he came along and God did something brand new in their life that had never been done. And he took them into the promised land and gave them houses they didn't build, farms they didn't start, groves they didn't plant. And God made everything in their life brand new and better than it had ever been before. I want you to think about the fact that when the shepherds were in the field at night and the angels started singing, what God was saying, I'm about to do something in the earth brand new, never been done before. God is about to walk among man. Then there came a time right after he died on the cross and rose from the dead on the day of Pentecost, God blew into an upper room and said, you know, it's been pretty good up until now, but I'm about to do a brand new thing. Not or you're no longer going to be servants of God. You're going to be sons of God. You're going to be the temple of Almighty God. And when I had one son, now I'm starting to have thousands and thousands of sons of God in the earth. And he did something brand new again. What he says in this verse, and I believe he's talking to this church. I believe that he's talking to you. You can forget yesterday everything that's happened up until now. He's about to do something new in your life that you have never seen. He's going to take you places you've never been. You're going to learn things you never knew. You're going to have relationships you never had. You're going to have money you didn't know. Your health is going to get better. Your relationships with people are about to get better. God is able to take everything everything you've done up until now and put it behind you and make tomorrow better than anything you've ever gone through. The only one I know can do that is God. So when, he re- when I read this, I, it started dawning on me. That, that's a powerful, that's a powerful verse. But, but you've got to stop thinking about old history. Forget it. All right. Philippians 3, 12. Turn over there. Are y'all ready for this? Are y'all ready for me? Are you ready for new? I like new. You know, aren't you glad that he didn't renovate you? 
brand new. Brand new. I'm new. Never existed before. The new me never existed before. I'm a new person. Now, my body is still the same, and my mind is still the same, but I'm not the guy that you knew before I got saved. That guy is dead and gone. And that's not the last time God did something new in my life. When I, was in, when I was in Athens and he, he took me to Tulsa, I learned something brand new about God that I never knew before. Then he told me to leave Tulsa and move to Orlando. And I met Lisa and he did something really brand new. And I'm going to tell you, she's the best wife I've ever had. Just brand new. And the last one. I think I'm done with, with you know, I think, it, yeah, I told Mary Fran, it takes a long time to train a woman. And they're going to hold on to this. And vice versa, and vice versa. It takes a long time to train a man. <laughs> if you've been married any length of time, you understood exactly what I just said. That's one thing you don't want new. You don't mind your marriage being brand new and being better, but you just keep the same one because um, you finally got them trained. Amen. <laughs> Philippians 3. I think I'm doing a pretty good job even though. It says, Paul said, it's not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I'm going to forget the things that are behind me and I am going to reach forward to the things that are ahead. I'm going to press forward to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God that is in Christ Jesus. We're going to see miracles we've never seen before. We're going to see people saved we've never seen before. We're going to see God do stuff we have never seen before. I'm reminded of a story, and I think it was Jesse Duplantis that told this story. Now, are y'all ready to get your mind literally blown? And I know people don't like me using that term because it's a bad confession. Don't you think about this for a minute. This will rip your head off your shoulders. He said that in heaven, there's an angel that, that flies around God. And every time he flies around him, he screams, glory, because the angel saw something that he never knew before. And he's been doing it forever. That's, that'll mess up my head. How do you fly around God forever and see something new at every pass? You think that God has done all, you think you've got all that you're ever going to learn, all you've ever known, have done everything. No, you, listen, older people are more difficult than young people because kids dream. Older people, they're like concrete. They're thoroughly mixed and well set and don't move much. But it's time for some of you senior citizens to start dreaming again. You have, you're not done. You're still, listen, put your hand on your heart, still thumping. You've still got a future, and it can improve. Amen. New and improved. They can improve tide. They can improve you. Amen. Maybe put a new box on you. Amen. But now, now think about this. Do you really think that you've maxed out all the new God can do? No. No, I don't think so. 
Uh, so that what that does, this scripture fires me up. This one, I'm about to do something brand new. You know, 30 years in one place, you can pretty much go, I seen that, been there, done that. But God, you mean he's able to take a church that's been kind of and fire this thing back up again? Oh, you better believe it. Now, I'm not talking about a new pastor. I'm talking about the same guy, but new. I'm talking about the same congregation, but growing and brand new. So, so I, I'm actually excited about this. All right. Turn loose of your fa- failures and turn loose of the failures of other people. Go to John 21.1. Is this okay? Is this okay for a 30-year sermon? I think it was. I, 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 don't, I shouldn't say his name. But Betty will know who I'm talking about. Man met me outside in the foyer one day and he said, Pastor, how long did you work on that sermon? I said, that one? He said, yes. I said, 30 years. He said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. How long did you work on that sermon you preached? I said, 30 years. Listen, listen to me. I didn't get everything I know out of a book this week. It came out of life. Amen? So, you know, there's something to be said for being around a while. Now, I'm going to talk to the young people for just a minute. Just, just let me have your ears. Just, just a minute. We, we might be a little slower. We don't know we're old, and we didn't get dumber. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's, there's something that needs to come back in America, and that's honor for older people, yes, a respect for elderly. And, and you know what? Grandma is around because when you don't know what you're doing, she does. Yeah, yeah, she might have done it wrong a few times. She might have a story to tell, but I'm going to tell you something. She can save you literally hours, if not months or years of hell on earth if you would stop and ask her some questions. I told my grandsons this. I said, you don't know what you don't know, but if I were you, and I'm talking to my grandsons, I would ask your grandpa before you ever do that again. I'm not sure they got it, but they will one day. I wished I'd asked my grandpa before I did that. When you're making a financial decision, ask Lisa. Listen, don't throw away all the wisdom she's gained. Amen? If you're in your 20s, do it right. Okay, never mind. That's not even in my sermon notes. And that's brand new and free. Amen. When, when you're first getting married, you're making the biggest decision when you are the most ignorant. Talk to somebody before you do something. Say, can I have some information from you? You better believe it, baby. We'll give you all kinds of information. Amen. All right. 
John 21.1. Ready? What a powerful story this is. After these things, Jesus showed himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. He's not going out to catch some fish for dinner. What he's doing, he's going back to the job he had before he met Jesus. Uh, in other words, Peter at this point has not only disappointed in the fact that Jesus got himself killed, but he's also done one of the biggest stupids in his entire life. Think about this for a man. For a man to play the coward, to deny the Lord Jesus, and to disappoint the guy that you looked up to for years, and to, and to him told you you're going to do it, and then you blow it that bad, he is dealing with failure 101. Not only that, but now he in his own mind is a failure. In the mind of all the men he's running around with, he's a failure. And in the eyes in his mind, he thinks in the eyes of God, he's a failure. So this, this statement right there is more than I'm going to catch a fish. He's leaving everything that's happened in three and a half years and saying, I don't know what I was thinking, and I don't know why he picked me, but I'm going back to the business that I had when he found me. I'm quitting. Now, I'm going to tell you something about quitting. We quit because you have an unrealistic expectation of life. I was flying an airplane one time, and I think it was when, when Betty's mother passed away, uh, Mrs. Morrison, and I was in an Aztec twin-engine airplane, and I'm and I was flying back uh, into the Bahamas, and I was landing in Freeport. And I had a seven, I had a big jumbo jet on my tail, and the guy in the tower, he began to rush me. Now, one old tango, you need to get down. You got a heavy on your tail. And so I kept the airplane up to about 105, 115 miles an hour as I touched down. And I took the first taxiway off. You don't turn an airplane off the runway at 105, 215 miles an hour. I couldn't make the turn. And so the prop nicked a taxi light and destroyed the prop in the engine, just destroyed the airplane. I had to park the airplane over there, pulled it up with one engine running, called the owner, told him that I had tore his airplane up. And he had words for me. <laughs> and he told me, you'll never fly another one of my planes again. I went, I understand, sir. Well, that's a bad day. I'm with a friend after that, and I said, well, maybe I shouldn't be flying. And he said, oh, heck, Morgan, I'd let you fly. That's expensive wisdom you just got. You will never be that stupid again. Your, your failures have made you better. Well, I'll come over here and preach. I know you didn't get a thing I said. Peter is never going to do that again. I'll guarantee you he'll die before he ever makes that mistake again. 
your failures are not defining you in the negative. They're defining you in the positive because those are the things. God did not cause them to happen like people teach. But yeah, whatever happened, that, that wisdom, whatever you learned in that mistake has made you better than you've ever been. And you're more ready for tomorrow than you've ever been. He said, heck, Morgan, I'll let you fly anything I've got. You're probably a better pilot than most of the people. I'd rather have people who screwed up in my planes than people who never have and think they're good. Amen. Nobody's ever going to rush me down. Tell the 747 to slow down. I'm an airplane too, baby. (laughs) That's a good little lesson in aviation, isn't it? Oh, they rebuilt the engine I flew, the airplane I flew it on. Cost me several thousand dollars. I had to pay the deductible. You think I learned something? You better believe I learned something. I, be, I was a far better pilot. Right now, Peter is going to be a far better man of God than he ever would have been. Many of you, because of what you've been through, your, de- your, your future, your best days are ahead because you've already figured out, stupid. Right? And the older you get, you're like wine. The better you are, baby. I told somebody when I was marrying Lisa, I said, and you've heard me tell this story, but I'm bragging. She'd rather have a used Rolls Royce than a new Volkswagen. Some of y'all will get it later. <laughs> Simon and Peter said, I'm going fishing. They said, we're going to go with you. And they went out and immediately got in the boat. And that, t- that night they caught what? Okay, three of you. How, how much did they catch? See, he, he's still failing. He can't even go backwards now. You think you're going back? Honey, you ain't going back. There is nothing back there for you. Okay, come on. When morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said, children, have you any food? And they answered, no. And he said, cast the net on the right side. Now, here, I told this story in the first service, and I'm going to tell you all something. This is really cool. When I was in Israel, I learned something about fishing in the Sea of Galilee. They have three different kinds of nets. I did not know this. One of them is a net that they start on the shore and the boat takes it out. And it's about as big as this whole church right here. It's probably, a, it's, it's massive. They take it out in the lake and they turn around and they bring it all the way back to shore. And people stand on the shore and grab the ropes and pull that net or nets to shore. And all of the fish that are in it, and they take the good fish and keep them, and the bad fish, and they throw them away. That's one type of net. The second type of a net that they use is when two boats get together, and one of them starts stringing out nets. That's N-E-T-S, nets. Anytime the Bible says, Jesus said, lower the nets, he was referring to two complete different boats working together. To get a job done. Now, they take the net out. 
in an area about the size of this between me and Che or, or the back wall where Betty is. And they take the boats out and they make a huge circle in the lake and they bring those nets together and then they start drawing them up tight and then the fish are trapped in the middle. That's what Jesus meant when he said lower the nets. And there's a third kind of a net. It's called a cast net. It's only about, you know, um, from me to, uh, to, to Rose. And, and it's, a, it's a net that a fisherman will take and hold over his shoulders. And he will sling it out over the lake. And it will settle down over the water and go to the bottom. It's got little rocks all around. And then there's rocks they've made. And they put holes in it and put it in the net. And it goes down to the bottom of the lake. And they dive in. And go to the bottom and get the, the net and they hook it all up. And then they bring it up onto, the, up onto the, the boat. The single net, tilapia, which is St. Peter's fish, you'll probably never see more than about 10 of them in a group. Between me and the back of the wall. You just, they'll congregate and they'll be out there and you'll throw a net over the top of them. So a, a cast net is used to catch probably about eight, five to seven or ten fish. So when it says right here, throw your net on the other side of the boat. You will never in the natural see 153 fish huddled in a group. They don't do it. That's not possible. That's crazy. Are y'all ready? Because I'm fixing to show you something. Cast on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast the net and now they were not able to draw because of the multitude of fish. And the disciples whom Jesus loved said, it's the Lord. How did they know it's the Lord? Because you don't catch 153 fish in one net. It's got to be God. They've been, they went backwards when fished all night with nets. And couldn't do anything. And the minute Jesus showed up, they get 153 in one small cast. And they're like, how many fish are in there? That's got to be Jesus. No way in the world for us to do this. And every time he comes around, he does this. Our nets get full. In other words, he's about to restore Peter and bring him back and let him know, you're, I am your future. Yes. You don't have a future without me. Forget the past. Let it go, buddy. It's over. I'm coming to get you. He's coming to get you. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how bad it was. It doesn't matter about your dumb mistakes. Forget it. Your future right now is tied up with Jesus. He'll do more in one minute with you than you can do all night or all month by yourself. Everybody say, I'm going to forget the past. I'm about to do something new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? So he drags the net to shore. And I don't know whether y'all know this or not, but, but if you're going to go down to the bottom of the lake and get the, 
the net, you take your clothes off. I know y'all don't want to hear an X-rated sermon here. But now you know why Peter, when he saw it was Jesus, put his clothes back on. All right. Uh, it makes you wonder about that. Okay. I'm just telling you what I've learned. Amen. Philippians 1.6. Pop it on the screen. Um, I probably didn't give you that. I probably didn't mark it. We'll just wait on it because I want to see this. I want you to see this. Being confident. Everybody say this. Being confident. Of this very thing, he that began a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Say, he's not done with me. My best days are ahead of me. Hallelujah. All right. Okay. All right. Go to James chapter 2. And let's talk about one more thing real quick. Didn't get to do this in the first service, but let's do it in this one. Somebody done somebody wrong song. Anybody ever had anybody do you wrong? Anybody ever find yourself thinking about it every once in a while? All right. Did anybody ever do Jesus wrong? Now, my question is, what did he do to deserve that? You don't even have to do anything wrong yourself to catch flack. All right, right? Satan uses the wrong that's been done to you to stop you from your future. That's the design of it. He on purpose Bring somebody by that's going to do something to you and you didn't deserve it. So what did Jesus do when he encountered that? Father, forgive them. Now let me tell you something. That's not a popular sermon. It's easy to preach, but honey, oh, is it difficult to live. Because about the time you start thinking about it, Your emotions get in there and you go, I'm trying to walk in love right now. But I was thinking about something somebody did uh, and they had no business doing that to me. And they have hindered my life. They're keeping me from my future. You ever go through it? Well, you better believe it. Are they? No, they're not. Is it bad? Yeah, I'm going to tell you, maybe it was bad. It might have been bad. If you really, how to, so we're going to talk about how to handle this because you've got to do it. You have to do it. I, 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 if you watch TV right now, everybody's mad at somebody who done somebody wrong. I don't know about you. My life is full of people. Some of them used to go to this church. Some of them still do. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. How do you handle it? What are you supposed to do about it? God wouldn't have given you a command. You couldn't do it. Am I right? If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you love your neighbors yourself, you do well. Look at verse 9. If you show partiality, you commit sin. And you're convicted by the law as a transgressor. Now let me say something to you. Listen, Everybody in this room, listen to me. Everybody you're mad at, you've done it too. You, you, you cannot go through life and say, they stole. Well, you've stole too. You, you can't use that scripture since you're asking God to forgive you and have mercy on you. Well, you're mad at something. They lied to me. Well, you've lied. They didn't have any business saying that to me. Well, you've said things you had no business saying yourself. Are you all out there? Did you go home? You, there's two people you've got to forgive, the other person and you. If you show partiality, you commit sin. Go to the next one. Whoever shall keep the whole law and stumble in one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. You're not, you can't go through life and go, I never done nothing wrong. That's a lie. Verse 11. He who said don't commit adultery said don't murder. Now, if you commit adultery and murder, you're still transgressor of the law. Verse 12. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the person who shows no mercy. Do you want a good future? Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. I'm preaching real good, but I, want, I don't want to move. Mercy triumphs over judgment. When you stand before God, what do you want? Judgment or mercy? Say mercy real loud. Well, you're going to have to give it. <laughs> That's really quiet in this Baptist church today, I'm going to tell you right now. This got to be, this has to be, in my opinion, one of the deadliest things. When you see people turn out like Hitler, you're looking at bitterness. You go bitter. I'm going to tell you something, you're going to get full of the devil. So when Jesus is on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, you might think, I can't. No, you may not want to, but you better. Now, I didn't say that you had to invite him back in your home or your life. Someone said, am I forgiven? Yes, but please don't come back to my house again or to the church again. You're not welcome here anymore. You've already proved you're a thug. We love you. We forgave you. We forgot about it. Just don't come back. Come on. You, you ladies that you think some, you got to stay with some man whooping on you. No, you don't. You don't want nobody whoop on you. You get up and you walk out. There's a lot of men out there. You don't have to put up with all that trash. I was sitting at lunch with a, with a woman. Um, it was just, I think she's from Venezuela. And her husband, we were eating at Perkins. 
And it's the friends that came to this church and this lady came with her husband and they just got married and they'd both been married before. And, um, and the conversation goes around to the, the man saying something ugly to the woman. And, and right in front of us, she looked at him and said, you won't, you ain't never doing that to me. And he goes, I know. I mean, that's a tough woman. I'm not so hard up for a man. I'm going to put up with your abuse. And we all went, someone passed the biscuits. Hallelujah. <laughs> and she just made it real plain. You slap me, you gone, Charlie. Well, I have to have no man whooping up on me. <laughs> She'd been around long enough to learn her lesson. Amen. And put up with enough stuff, you just go, you know, I love you. You love me? Did you forgive me? I did forgive you. And I forgot it. Not as long as I ain't have to look at you. <laughs> Let's finish reading this because I know y'all want to go eat. Oh, my gosh. It's way past time. Listen to this. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm going to make a road through the desert and a river in your bad land. Yes, amen. Amen. A road in your desert. That means everything up until now. That's kept you from going forward. God's going to move it out of the way. And then a river in the bad land means that whenever you irrigate land, it produces fruit. He's about to send waters your direction that's going to change everything in your life. But the key is this. Forget about the past and start dreaming again. Because God is able. To do exceeding, say it with me, abundantly above all I could ask or think according to the power working inside of me. Say this with me. My best days are ahead of me. God and I, is that right? Is that good English? Is not good English? Betty, how'd I do it? Me and God... However you want to do this, Mrs. English, 101 or 102. I didn't do good in English. God and I are going to do great together in the future. Amen? Amen. Lisa, you got this. Hey, I think there's food out there for y'all, and I think it's probably cold. No, right no, 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 no. Shut that music off. We're not done. Everybody, hold on. We're almost done, but hold on. Mom has one thing to say right after this. I'm about to, he, they don't know I'm doing this, but... Um, you know, the Lord has just laid this on my heart and it's a part of the service and I'm about to give you guys a really big secret to big financial prosperity. Um, I learned a secret a couple years ago when I learned it, I never stopped doing it. And we're talking about, we've honored Pastor Daryl and Lisa today. Can somebody bring me up the buckets, please? The gold buckets for them. 30 years doesn't come by, or we got a basket, 30 years only comes by once in a lifetime, and I love something Pastor Mark said. He says, when Trina's father, you can put the basket right here. When Trina's father, who was a minister for many years, when it came to his anniversary time, they said that they gave to him. And he said, with pastors and prophets and teachers, you really only get sometimes one chance. You can give all the time, but they're only here for so long. 
and you know, we want to honor them. They've been here sowing into us, and so I want to read something to you. It says that one who receives a prophet, because he's a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And one who receives a righteous person, because he's righteous, will receive a righteous person's reward. First Timothy 5, 7, let the elders who rule well be considered of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And also it says what a man sows, he will reap, and the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. There's certain ground, and Dr. Varallo has talked to me about this, that you can sow into that really reaps that hundredfold reward. And I never knew this. Years ago, I remember giving... Um, and they didn't know I was going to do this. This is totally just off a whim. Dad doesn't like asking people for money or to say anything. But you know what? I'm his son and I can get away with it. Because we really should honor. But Jesus says where your heart is. And people's heart really, you know, money is connected to people's heart. Jesus watched people's giving. So all I'm going to say is, is um, if you guys want to give um, you know, money, if you guys want to give so things. He loves guns. He lo- he wants, there's a new truck he's looking at. Me and the men, we can get together, put some money down, go buy him a new truck. But I'll tell you something. There's a time that I sewed $1,000 into Trentis Hankins' purse. She never knew it. I dropped the money in her purse and walked away. I, don't, I was like, what in the world am I doing? Two years later, I had eight acres of property. I said, what, what happened there? I mean, there's got to be, he says, the pastor is worthy of double honor. And those who labor. And, I, and um, mom told me something. She said, you know, you've honored a certain person, and she's a prophet. And she said, and you've gotten a prophet's reward. And I didn't know what I was doing really at the time, but I would, I would sow to her. I would make sure I knew what her favorite chocolate was when she got here. And I'm telling you, what that woman has done in my life, she's paid for my schooling. She's helped send me overseas. I'm probably well over $10,000. And an open door for me to talk with her on a regular basis. And nobody has that opportunity. And mom says, you sowed into a prophet and you're getting her reward. And I said, oh my goodness. And when I was talking to her, she said, there's ministers. Or, and you know, she was telling me that um, Israel is another secret. That God loves Israel. And if you sow into Israel... But not only Israel, sowing into ministers is good ground. And I want to give you guys an opportunity today that throw some money in his pocket, throw some money up here. If uh, if you guys want to buy him, write something down and say, hey, you know, I want to do something. When I started honoring them, um, you know, dad, Jordan complains all the time, but he doesn't understand the secret I know. On dad's birthday, I don't spend less than a certain amount of money. And when dad wants something, you know, I do my best to help him or to get it. And dad sometimes will say, Let's get in the truck. We're going to shoot straight. And he just buy me a gun. When I went to build my house, he, he, him and mom put a big down payment to help me get the loan and to, to hold the property to help me build the house. And dad came up for, for half a year and helped me build my house. I've sowed into my father, but yet I, it comes right back is what I reap. And he sowed back into me. And so that, that is, there's an anointing on him and there's an anointing that when you honor the man of God, your man of God that God has given you, that there is a, like a supernatural corridor that just opens up. And I'm telling you, when I started realizing what I was doing, so I gave a, a worship leader some, um, just a couple months ago, I gave a worship leader, he, he had, had some glasses, some sunglasses. And he was, you know, and I was ministering to him. And um, he said, man, I really like those sunglasses. And, and I, we were talking about the church, and he was having a rough time. And he was like, man, I don't, my dad doesn't like that I'm here serving in this church. And I just gave to him. It was a $150 pair of sunglasses. 
Two weeks later, a man in this church walked up and said, you know, the Lord laid you on my heart. And he says, we're going to go shopping. And I'm wearing this suit today and these shoes because that man gave to me because the Lord laid on his heart. But I was down two weeks before to another worship pastor, and I honored and gave to him. And what I got from this man was far beyond what I gave away. And I said, you know what? I've realized something. That giving to men of God, that giving in not just to the ministry, but sowing into them personally opens up a supernatural corridor of just blessings. Because Jesus, he really does care about um, his, his church. But also, Jesus really watches. He says they should be worthy of double honor. So I'm, I just, it's not that I'm up here asking. I'm actually giving you an opportunity to give and for you to be blessed. I mean, when I figured this out, I said, dear Jesus, when I went to Israel, I bought everything I could for this lady and I shipped it to her. And I said, praise God for you. And I didn't notice right after that, she even came back and blessed me even more. And I said, oh my goodness, this just keeps happening. Because what when you honor a prophet, you're gonna get a prophet's reward. And I haven't quite figured out what that is, but it is massive, and it's opened up so many doors. And, it, um, and the Bible also says, honor your father and mother. Well, we have, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you have a spiritual father. I'm your spiritual father. Honor your father and mother that it'll go well with you. And so pastors, Daryl and Lisa are our spiritual fathers and mothers. And um, I'll just say, whatever God lays, it's no pressure. If you don't have anything, if you just have five bucks, it all adds up. I'm just saying, I'm giving you an opportunity. Don't feel pressured, because this wasn't supposed to happen. But Throw some money in, put some in their pocket, write a note, says, hey, you know what? I'd love to take you to lunch. I'd love to do something for you. And just watch what God will do when you honor the man and the woman of God that he's placed in your life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.